0: Hi, welcome back to Salted Hash. My name is Steve Reagan, senior staff writer at CSO Online. I'm in studio today with Rob Lee. He's the uh, curriculum lead uh, for DFIR at SANS, and we're going to be talking about some upcoming predictions for 2018. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Rob, how are you? Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me here. It's good to see you. So tell me a little bit about what you do at SANS. Let's, let's talk about the, the curriculum that you're teaching people for uh, digital forensics and
1: incident response. Well, I'm the lead of the uh, digital forensics and incident response curriculum, uh, which basically entails when um, companies have bad things happen. Uh, these are the people that usually call. Uh, to come solve your problems Uh, we're the macgyvers we're the uh folks that says hey we're completely in a pucker factor eight situation and as a result of that we need you to come potentially help save us Um, most companies might have an internal team Uh, they also might pull in outsiders uh, to come help out generally we're called when uh, major breaches happen but we also are involved in the side of things where you have uh, someone potentially steal intellectual property. Um, you know, I go as far as the, you know, the Snowdens of the world that decided to take it upon themselves to leave the company with a bunch of intellectual property. So in that regard, anytime bad things happen, we're the ones who are called in. To another side of that coin, we also train a lot of individuals in the Intel and DOD and law enforcement communities on how to properly analyze the smartphones, computer systems, and other portable devices uh, in the effort to, you know, prosecute uh, or potentially be used on different various uh, bad guy suppression efforts uh, that occur around the world. Excellent, excellent. So 2017 has been an
0: interesting year. We've had a lot, uh, a lot going on. But today we're going to talk about what the future may hold and try to. We're going to try and beat the stigma of, of typical 2018 predictions by instead of. Uh, just dwelling on, oh well, this happened this year, so it's sure to happen again. Let's 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 think of of some um, some interesting things. Like uh, for example, I'll give you my 2018 prediction, okay? And you could hold me to this, all right? In 2018, somebody somewhere is going to get hacked. Hold me to that. It's going to happen. <laughs> That's going to happen. I'm not so sure. You've heard it here first. In 2018, somebody's going to get hacked. And and I'll even I'll even add one to that. Not only is somebody going to get hacked in 2018, there's another person that's – or an organization even maybe that's going to get hacked. And yet that happened years earlier. They're only just now finding out about it. So those two predictions, rock solid. You can hold those to me. And and, and so now let's hear your predictions for 2018.
1: i <laughs> will do, double down on your predictions. Um, wow. It's uh, – yeah the predictions you know what it comes down to you are you're, you're exactly right the majority of the predictions usually fall into there's going to be a, you know something that's going bad's going to happen and as a result of that bad thing happening you know people are going to change their attitudes and honestly i think you know 2017 moving into 2018 the one thing that has become very clear for most organizations especially at the executive management level is that if they're not convinced now that preventable it security is essentially dead um, they need to obviously wake up and start reading newspaper headlines. It's like not a matter if you are going to be hacked and how to prevent it. It's a matter of getting in front of it to detect it early enough so you could get in front of it and prevent the actual operational goals of your adversary, whatever that is, from occurring, meaning that they're going to be leaving the company with your intellectual property, cause sufficient damage. My prediction to that is that you're going to start to see executives start to stop treating IT security as a product that they could implement and start treating it as an operational concern as equally important as managing their finances. That they are really going to start digging and asking very important questions and educate themselves a lot more. You'll probably see a lot more executives start to ask hard questions, which are gonna be the shock of most IT securities. You've never asked this question before, but it's kind of entertaining to me that I get to answer this question now. But I think the IT, you know, I don't think it's that far of a reach. You probably heard this one before that the management side is going to get a lot more interested in making sure that the companies are doing a lot more to help prevent the uh, stuff from leaving the company. And I still think, to <clears throat> a certain extent, the average American. Never really paid attention to this um, until the Equifax hack. Yeah, and I, I use this as an example because I had so many more neighbors who kind of knew what I did. But as soon as this happened, they said, "I think this is related to your job." Yep. And I said, "Yes, of course." It, you know, Equifax is directly related. I didn't respond to it, but every person I know was now affected by that. But the crazy thing is, is every person says, "It's interesting to see how they have gone public on this." They blamed an IT guy. I noticed that in the in the press. They put up a website that I'm supposed to go report and give them more private information of mine to, which before I press the return button on that, I said, hey, wait a minute. This is the company that was just breached. So they're starting to ask me questions. Is It feels like that this was kind of like they're winging it. Yep. A company as large as Equifax is winging it. And I said, that's exactly right. Yeah. A lot more companies need to be a little bit more involved in when bad things happen what is going to be our first three steps that are gonna go through it. And they're gonna start paying attention to using Equifax as the new target, as the new example of what not to do, so they could get in front of it a little bit more. So there's no like earth shattering crystal ball here other than it's <coughs> gonna become even more important than it already is. But I definitely think we're seeing the trail end of the preventable IT security saying, hey, you could prevent colds, use our you know security vendor widget mm-hmm. to help prevent colds. No, it's going to be can we potentially stop and detect the bad guys early enough to prevent the really bad thing from happening. Yep. Yeah. I think, yeah, you know, sticking
0: to to that 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 train of thought there with the the management upper management being more involved and asking more direct questions, I agree with that wholeheartedly. And I think one step beyond that, you're actually going to start seeing management pay attention early on when somebody makes a suggestion. One of the biggest frustrations I've ran into this year when just interviewing people at cons or you know at, at going about my daily news gathering is the, the average IT staffer, when they make a recommendation or a suggestion coming up the line on security or any type of um, change in the environment to better things, it's always overlooked because it works. better it's working now. Don't change what isn't broke type mentality. And now with further regulation coming in uh, with um, uh, GDPR, I'm probably getting this backwards, but GDPR, um, all all of the the changes, and of course all the headlines related to micro changes that happened on a network that led to this big catastrophic thing. You know, one unpatched server, undid you know an entire billion-dollar company. I think we're going to see a lot of, of conversations now when a suggestion's made. They're going to stop and really look into it. And in the long term, I think that's going to have more impact because your people on the ground really do know what they're doing. But it's trying to communicate that up the chain is where it, everything gets lost in translation because four or five layers of management up it's no longer about what needs to change on the ground it's how will this impact the business how will this change what we're doing is there there any value into this and if you can't directly speak to that you're gonna you're gonna be lost in the shuffle they're not gonna do anything I think that's gonna change now and like you said a lot of it's going to come right back to Equifax because let's face it that is massive and we, we could poke fun of them for how they handled the whole situation, throwing some random staffer under the bus and setting up a domain that's easily fished. And, Oh, look, somebody bought a spoofed version of it within minutes of that coming out. I think that's easy to pick apart, but really when you look down at it, this is an infrastructure so wide, so diverse and, and scattered out that they really did have a hard time keeping track of everything. And those type of, of on-the-ground type of changes and suggestions, that's going to filter up. And I think now, because of that, people are going to start paying attention. We're going to see more of
1: that. What else do you think is going to come, come down the pipe in 2018? They switch from focusing on vendor tools mm-hmm. as a solution and starting to refocus and doubling down on hiring and sustaining the right team. That uh, too many times, you're starting to see you know who's in charge of the security teams. Are they actual player coaches? Or do we just find someone, hey, you have management smarts, come in here and run this team. That doesn't work. You're not managing a bunch of, you know, widgets. You know, it's yeah. not, you know, we're gonna win a war by shipping a bunch of guns and bullets to an area region of the world and cross our fingers. You actually have to have trained and operational troops to understand what's going on. And I have a lot of executives that I talk to who says, Well, I don't know where to find those people. Where am I gonna find that that individual that could help lead the team that I need to find the College grad that they know that there's that you know spark that they need to you know come on my team I'm going to take care of you, to the mid-level person who is a security engineer analyst that's going to be working a tier two part of the SOC, all the way to the team lead, those people already exist in a lot of cases they're actually sitting at a large a lot of the large incident response companies that are out there and, and the reason why these companies would be able to potentially say hey, come on work for me is sanity, yeah. you would actually be able to say hey listen you know you're working over at this you know really amazing hotshot group you know special operators. If you come on my team, I just noticed you got married, you have a family, we're gonna be able to compensate you the same, if not a little bit more, tweak it a little bit. You're gonna be able to do your job from home. You're not gonna have to travel near as much, but I want you to bring the people on that will help you do the best job possible. And the person will sit there and look at that and says, you know, I actually like that. I spent the past five years on the road, just like you feel like you're in the military, and Mm -hmm. I'd like to settle down a little bit. Those are the people that you need because they know how this works. And you go back to your point about listening. They're gonna start listening to what these individuals say. If you don't have that person whispering in your ear that you trust implicitly about they've seen it across hundreds of companies, just like the one that you hired them into, that is the person that you need to help guide your entire IT security organization. And I want to put them as a CISO level, They could still be talking to CISO at this point, but I would definitely, you need your Scotty of the Starship Enterprise, and you need to find that person. Yeah, That's where a lot of these organizations are going to start figuring out, I need the right team to run all these wonderful, magical widgets that I've purchased over the years from these vendors. And a lot of them are really good tools, but without a really skilled operator behind them, they're worthless. You might as well just put them back on the shelf.
0: Yeah, now that you bring that up, another thing that that I think is is worth considering and looking at is the fact that you're going to see a lot of, of development for security teams that come from outside of the security group. Uh, traditionally, you know, it, it's always somebody that comes from IT and they fall into security and everything like that. I think you're going to see more developers get pulled into security. You're going to see a lot of, uh, uh, of engineering type of settings get pulled into security because they're all valid takes. On a problem that you can you can filter in, and, and part of
1: the reason for that, and you're exactly right. Every time that we're doing into response somewhere, half of the solutions that we're engineering are coming from someone says, "Hey, listen, I could code that up right now." It's almost like DevOps yeah. for security. Yeah. In order to solve a problem that's immediate, in order to, I need to all have patch all these systems using a technique I've never seen because of WannaCry that came out. Yep. How are we gonna patch it? You know, and that's tappity, tappity, tappity. You have Run to have that. someone <laughs> yeah, here, I will create that. Let me test it on our lab net. Let me throw it out on the network now. Looks like we're good. But you can't do that with the average individual. You actually yeah. need someone who actually and it has operational skills, have done this on live networks before. Where do you find those people? You know, the DevOps side is a really good yeah. amalgamation from hey, I'm a developer and I'm worried about you know this operational a- impact of oh, yeah. this. They exist. They just haven't, you know, a lot of them are actually getting the security side right now because they actually find it a puzzle that they have not yet uh, had a chance to whack the baton at. So
0: I'm kind of going to break my own rule, but yet it's still a a thing that that concerns me for 2018. And I can honestly say, I hope I'm wrong. I really don't want it to get this bad, but my fear is that uh, ransomware is going to evolve to more focused, uh, more focused type of of environments to where it's no longer going to be encrypt a thousand machines and hope two or three of them drop five or six hundred dollars I think they're literally going to start targeting people with specific types of infrastructures or environments or data and they're going to customize the the ransomware to target only that and the prices are going to go sky high I think right now the average asking price is like a bitcoin or Maybe even two to get a system recovered. Now imagine waking up and you're a hospital administrator, and all your, your all your EMRs are now encrypted. Congratulations! I'll need five million dollars to get them back, or one million dollars to get them all back. <laughs> But uh, that kind of thing scares the life out of me because I'm genuinely concerned that that's where we're going because now that everybody's so familiar with ransomware and they know how it propagates and they know how to stop it to some degree and, and deal with it, they have to, the criminals have to up their game to keep themselves relevant. Otherwise, that's just a vertical that's going to go away in their market. Unfortunately, the only way to, to make it in their, their, their world is to make it worse, and that's about as worse as we can get right now. So that that would what do you think? Am I barking up the wrong tree, or do you actually see that as a? I'm going to
1: up your ante oh, here, and double <laughs> down on that, and saying actually, I think it's not that it's making it more difficult. There was still that the lowest threshold capability is now being proliferated into the hands of people who really do not know what they're doing with it. Oh yeah, the turnkey. You, you use look at the WannaCry example and, and others. Is like could WannaCry have been? an actual huge payday for a hacker group if they executed it properly, and they didn't. But it shows you're starting to get this weapons-grade capability into the hands of children yeah. to a certain extent, You know, and I use it in terms of novice hackers, You know, those who are just skilled enough to know, hey, I could create something. Skitties, yeah. script kitties. And move it into a capability that says, I'm gonna target that hospital over there because all I have to do is send an email in that says, here's a fax you need to open, and they'll open it and you know, it'll be infected on that host. So we're starting to see that proliferation occur much more, and the brazenness of the criminals behind it. They're looking at all their friends. No one's being prosecuted for this stuff by and large. And The yeah. fact that there's almost zero threat of arrest that still exists today, and of course, you know, some law enforcement says, "No, we are making arrests. We're making headway. We are." You know, yes, I give you that, but the curve on the people trying it, few and in the far curve between, yeah. of arrests, you know, is more steady. This hockey stick curve is the one that is really the concerning one to me. Is that you're starting to get more people that says I'm going to try it because the likelihood of me getting prosecuted and actually thrown in jail for this is pretty near zero. Yeah. I probably have a better chance of winning the lottery than actually going to jail and serving time if I throw ransomware at a hospital. Well, imagine again, winning ha-
0: the lottery and then you get arrested the same, <laughs> same day. <laughs>
1: well, then you get arrested the same day. Wham! Look at that. I bought this fine. I, I could post my bail now at least. <laughs> but uh, it's that proliferation effect uh, that we're starting to see, and so especially now that we have the NSA tools uh, that are being you know widely distributed. You know, people are starting to see examples of much more publicized the way APTs work, yeah. and they're learning from each other. It used to be these little enclaves of knowledge that is now, everyone knows how to do it. Yeah. They're starting to see that work for this group, APT29 versus APT28 versus whatever the names that people are using. They're all sharing the techniques, and they're also being observed by the hacktivists down to the, you know, someone sitting in their basement deciding, hey, I wonder if I could earn $10 if I throw this at or an organization, the local fire station, just to see if they'll click on and open it. And I ran somewhere at the fire station. And that's the concern yeah. that you have.
0: Yeah. So moving, moving up a, a little bit, I, I, earlier when we started off the show, I said that 2017 has been a really interesting year. So considering everything that's happened in security this year, what is, is your what is one thing that, that stood out to you that either you know, made you scream in a fit of rage or just stand back and wonder and go, wow, that's really cool? And you don't have to stay to just one thing. You can, you can name a, a number. But if you were to, to think of some items, what would they be for you?
1: On the top of my list, when I look back at the here, the thing that I feel most people have – some have to pay attention to this. Others are kind of like, oh, that will never happen here. I, don't ha- I really don't need to wake up to that threat, which is the likelihood of a nation state deciding to, instead of moving from an intellectual property theft-style game – that they move into, let's affect a power grid. Yeah. And i, I th- that's the big boogeyman everyone talks about, but we've actually started to see hardcore examples of this utilized around the world. And you don't have to go very far to start reading reports in the ICS community. They're starting to wake up to this. But you talk to the average person in your neighborhood about the likelihood of the power going out, and they're like, yeah, it'll—you know power line goes down. And I said, well, what would happen if it goes out for a week? You know, you talk about ransomware attacks, you know, again, you could hit a power grid, you have this capability that do exist. Everyone knows the different countries out there who have capabilities now. Mm -hmm. And we're starting to edge toward a geopolitical framework that the likelihood of a shooting war starting with a cyber conflict is extremely high. And so we go back in the intel, you know, community prediction, you know, like within the next five years, what is the likelihood? a power grid in the US is actually going to be shut down as a result of another country deciding to say, I'm going to prove a point. And you start to see the numbers start to increasingly start to go north of 50%. Yep. And that's where you got, almost got to prepare your neighbors for. Like, when the power goes out, what is your plan? You know, do you have, you know, you know it almost becomes like a, a small time prepper thing. And people know, who, know me a little bit. I actually bring this up a little bit. It's like, well, if that does happen, what have you ever given thought to that? Because we're so dependent on it today, we see this in every single major natural cause incident. You know, yep. from the hurricanes all the way down. You know what happens down in Puerto Rico and uh, the like, and we see that what happens without power, it's devastating.
0: Yeah, you're you're pretty much you know you, you have a choice You're either prepared for it, and you had an answer ahead of time, or you're hoping uh, you know Elon Musk shows up with his solar grid and maybe he can help you out later. But otherwise you're 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 right. You're just gonna be And I'm there. not
1: trying to oversell that. This isn't a Cyber Pearl no. Harbor or anything else, but no. it, it do I start to see this past year a significant uptick in evidence that the likelihood is going to happen in a shorter time frame than ten years from now. It's you know oh, starting yeah. to sh- starting to mount up, yeah. is what the main point and, is.
0: And for me, I am absolutely petrified that, you know, somebody will do something stupid or say something uh, dumb, you know, online or play around with the wrong system, and we absolutely start a war because somebody used, you know, the internet to attack or probe or just poke at a fancy bear or something like that. And then, you know, the next thing thing it is, we have a kinetic situation that literally started from the push of a button. Right. And that leads me to another uh, interesting thing from this year, at least from my perspective, is how... How connected a lot of these groups seem to be when you, you strip away the surface. We've got now uh, our own Justice Department placing uh, indictments on foreign adversaries for, you know, if it, how long until the script is flipped, though? And we have to face that, too, because there are a lot of people who are no longer working that did really good work for their country that now, if the tables return, turned, are sitting ducks. What are they going to do? I mean, I, I it's a catch-22. I understand why they want to do that, but so that was my standout thing this year: is actually watching the, the Justice Department name foreign actors and indict them. That was that was a wow moment for me.
1: It it is. It, there is a lot of you know, do you are you prosecuting a soldier and before you know going to combat, and that's essentially are they under direction of a foreign yeah. government who's doing this and saying this is part of the your orders. And of course, you know, that entire you know question comes up, you know, the following orders question, you know, are you illegal or Ill- illegal at that point? Um, you know, again, the laws of what are we following at this point, Yeah. you know, it, these things are, it, it's interesting, just like what's gonna happen when uh, data breach reporting requirements, you know, why are you notified at a certain point later? Are, you know, are executives going to go to jail because they did not follow the law? You know, how is there, it's this, the legal side to this is, It's a Wild West game at this point. And the fact that DOJ has done the indictments, just like you mentioned, it is surprising because the likelihood of US actors that were, you know, cyber operators being named directly and saying, if you fly to a certain country where there's extradition rights, there's a likelihood you'll be picked up. Yeah, ding, ding, you're done. You're done. And, you know, we both have friends who fall into that spectrum. it is a concern you know i'm not saying that doj is wrong i'm not saying that doj is right either it's just a i hope that they have thought that one out and are doing the chess game looking at the pieces that move five yeah. moves in to see what is the impact if we do this
0: i want to believe that they are and they they really do take this stuff into consideration before they they pass these indictments but. Without jumping into a whole black tar pool of political debate, <laughs> my uh, my my big fear though is some of these indictments, or maybe even some of the ones that are coming down the pipe, are purely political motivated, and that's that's a problem because when you start mixing that type of of sanction within the law, now you really do put people at risk because it's not a secret who these people were or what they did but at the same time it's a secret who these people were and what they did I mean you can't you can't expose and and I'm not really worried about everybody that lives here in the country I'm worried about those that are still overseas what happens they're not they're, they're not protected by us they can't you know like you said you fly to a country that has an extradition pop you're gone I mean you get arrested on site you're done and we've all seen that show on Discovery Channel. You know, being arrested overseas apparently is no fun. And I don't, I don't want to have anybody have to be part of that because they were simply doing their job. Right. And we can't argue the, at least not now, not with cyber, we can't really say, well, I was only taking orders. Well, you should have known your orders were morally wrong or ambiguous. No. Not when it came to computers, especially back then, because that was never a consideration. You know, going back a decade or so, that's not that's not a conversation anybody was having. In fact, going back a decade or so, seeing, you know, any kind of network infiltration or, or type of action was still really, really brand new. Untested in some cases. So, yeah, indictments for stuff that you did back then, you can't you can't really hold it. Yeah, you know, but that goes to your point. If they were operating on behalf of a foreign government, well then what exactly, there, you, there
1: are there are laws that cover that, yeah. you know, on the books at, the, at this point. You know, under Title Ten, Title 50, Hours, you know, Geneva Convention, you know, it's kind of ironed out. But again, this is at what point is this a your mm-hmm. uniformed member of a service that is carrying out said order? You yeah. again, it goes very legal. The other, you know, you're talking about very similar to this, you know, is in terms of legal ties into a major issue that's happened the past year. That's going to be. I think it's just the, the tip of the iceberg that's going to blow out from this point forward. Is the geopolitical influence of data yeah. um, uh, exfiltration uh, from you know internal networks such as those owned by politicians, uh, candidates for uh, high-level positions, uh, and more. We go you know to the Hillary Clinton email investigation. Mm-hmm. You know, right or wrong in that, you know, it's you have a politician that literally is trying to describe file wiping about email. Um, to the <laughs> general public, and they were just like, "Oh yeah, I guess that you know sounds like a thing." And then everyone, in the IT community, is scratching their heads, like, "Wait a minute! Emails like one of the darndest things you have ever been asked to delete. It's impossible to get rid of it. One one email will generate literally ten copies mm-hmm. if you send it between two people." And so I think we're really at the beginning because of the age and time where the internet, you know, started. You know, we're 20 years into it plus at this point where we start seeing people regularly using it. The likelihood from every point forward here that we're gonna have a massive release of documents and emails and everything of that person's life is gonna become so prolific because they're sitting somewhere, all someone has to do is say, We're gonna access it, we're gonna release it. The WikiLeaks is mm-hmm. that's have occurred during this last election, is this is the way every election's gonna be from this point forward. You know, every presidential candidate's gonna be held to you know, it can't get much worse. We're not going to be able yeah. to elect someone who is at a different level. And then 40 years from now, we're going to be looking at post- pictures posted from someone's frat parties uh, from the late 90s. Yep. You know, because this is what's going to happen. And I think that kind of mindset, you know, it serves two purposes, which is good for my kids, which is, you know, look, everything you post online and you is generate. Forever. Is <laughs> forever potentially burned into, um, you know, the the ether. Um, and again, I really, you know, applaud efforts that have recently come out in the past uh, couple of weeks. Is you know, just like even talking about the topic topic of revenge porn. You know, it's not a cybersecurity, you know, topic directly, but you just end up looking at it. Are they going to be able to prosecute someone for posting that? And there their efforts in Congress it says we want to make that a felony, yep. and it, it ends up changing the dynamic a little bit because it, you know, who's going to be asked to make that determination? What are the provable elements? You know, from my perspective, we deal with forensics. And I look at this from the smartphones, the data collection devices, the IoT devices. We're really sitting on this, you know, I have to explain to people constantly, you know, the good example I have is the Alexa recording you, you know, like, you know, is that constantly listening in on you? And I said, funny you mentioned that. And I said, you have an Apple iPhone in front of you. And they're like, yeah, so what? So you're concerned about an Alexa recording you? And they're like, okay, I don't get it. And I I immediately just really loudly say, hey Siri. And it goes up and the look on their face is just, oh my god you know I was like so my device I like well, your tv as well i'm not gonna let's not you know we're not gonna cross our hairs here your tv your car your alexa how many of these devices you know could potentially be in recording mode from this point forward in your life and i said it's you know this is a huge tipping point that has occurred in the past year where the Alexa has entered into the system that everything you do could be recorded. Mm-hmm. Everything from this point forward, every politician's going up for election, every piece of their private life is probably gonna all come there. out. Yeah. It's all gonna come out. And we're the ones who are asked to investigate it. You know, it's like, <laughs> hey, you know, there's a possible bad guy here. Can you look at their Alexa and determine if there's anything on there? And it's, you know, these devices are geared to, you, and people say, Why well, are they spying me? I said, but they're actually gearing themselves to make it a more useful device by yeah. learning about you. It wants to learn everything about you. Your favorites. You know, what is your calendar? What is your favorite drink at Starbucks? When are you going to go somewhere? Hey, warning! In order to make this interview, it alerts me you should leave now. Yep. How does it know I need to be here? You know this oddly useful assistant, but also eerily, eerily. It crosses into the creepy. privacy side. So it's you know again security privacy have this collision that occurs. You know in the sense that you know security there to help protect privacy or security there to help enable privacy you know, or both, both sides of that, you know, um, to br- br- enable the collection on an individual. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a Wild West moment that I think, you know. It is. Everyone else that I never heard of considering at-home smart home devices, the Alexa is the first one that they bought. And I said, "It's from that point, once you realize it could do additional things other than play music, then it's just a matter of five years until you do this. And I remember, and you probably do as well, when was the last time you heard someone say, I will never get a cell phone? I'm not going to be that person. But I remember half of my friends yeah. in the late 90s said, I'm never going to be tied to an advice.
0: Yeah. It, it, it was uh, just after, so it, the beeper was what yeah. everybody was tied to.
1: And then they're like, Oh, I'm not getting a cell phone. I'm not getting a cell be, phone. I'll never be tied to I'm that. Never going to be tied. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And of course, you know, five years later, everyone has one. And yep. I said the same thing. Self-driving cars is another example of that. And I was like, I will never get behind a self-driving car. I said, well, you will if they take your cues from you.
0: <laughs> I wish I could afford a self-driving <laughs> car. I'd be behind that bad boy in a minute. But no, I mean, it's 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 a very valid thing. I mean, as things progress, you know, it's going to either become more convenient and everybody just accepts it and you eventually get one, or it's forced on you and you're going to take it anyway. It doesn't matter. I think uh, the, the only real scary part and unfortunately the sad part would be like if you get called in to do a dfir and they're like you know this data is coming out what's going on and it turns out it's just an open s3 bucket so it's all right there anyway that would be oh, wait what <laughs>
1: that has happened in the press the past couple
0: weeks i don't right, know what you're talking you about know? that it's would like... just be horribly funny and sad at the same time rob it's been fun thank you for coming out here and hanging out with me i appreciate it this has been a good time thanks for having me so
1: if uh, are are you on Twitters? Are you on the Twitters? I am. I'm on the Twitters. Where can people find you on the Twitters? It's uh, Rob T Lee. Uh, just one word. No underscores. Oh, excellent.
0: Excellent. So again, thanks for coming to hang out. My name is Steve Reagan. This has been Salted Hash. You can check us out at CSO Online. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next week.